Every school day, thousands of families choose to take their children past their nearest school in order to attend one further away. But international studies show the difference between New Zealand schools is one of the lowest in the developed world. So, what difference does it actually make which school your child goes to? Education correspondent John Gerritsen has been finding out for this Radio New Zealand Insight. I'm standing in the grounds of one of New Zealand's more successful secondary schools. Its students have won a lot of scholarships, and its NCEA pass rates are high. By any standards, this is a good school. But would the students who attend the school do any worse if we teleported them? Here to this school in one of New Zealand's poorest suburbs. On the face of it, the school does a lot worse academically than the school I was at moments ago. Its NCA pass rates are lower than the national average, but about the same as other schools with a similar socio-economic background. So, would the students who do well at that first school do worse at this school? And would students who struggle here do better if we transported them to the first school? It appears a lot of parents think the answer to those questions is yes, and that prompts some of them to spend a considerable amount of time and effort. Now I'm standing by Wellington's Basin Reserve during the morning rush hour. In front of me are cars and buses full of commuters. Among them are schoolchildren, many of them en route to their nearest school, but some of them going a bit further. They, or more likely their parents, have added a few more minutes and a few more kilometres to their school route by choosing a more distant school. Kathy Wiley is a senior researcher at the Council for Educational Research. She says regular surveys indicate this group of people are a sizable minority. It looks to be about a third from our national survey results, and that's consistent with other studies that have just looked at particular localities. So、um, we don't know whether the local school is an integrated school, which might mean that they don't feel that you know they can access that school if they don't、uh, belong to, say, the Catholic Church. But it, it, you know, it looks as if about a third of people are, are exercising、uh, choice, and in the sense that they're not going to their local school. One such family is the Hakik family, who live in South Auckland. This is my academic award.、Um, I got this from the whole of Year Five because I was one of the top students in all the topics, and I've got I've got a. Three distinctions from the University of New South Wales. We done. We have done a test. Ten-year-old Faiza Hakik excelled academically at her local primary school. These are my previous awards for all my、um, achievements, and this is our reading competition. I came second place in year four, and this is one of my. This is the story I read from my oral reading competition. Despite her academic successes, her mother and grandparents decided she needed to change schools. Her grandfather Muhammad, a former teacher, explains. She was、uh, in a primary school、uh, from year one to year five, and、uh, towards the end of year five, we began to question her about her、uh, daily routine and how she felt at the school, what was she doing, and、uh, and all that. And、uh, what we gathered from her was that、uh, there was no competition, and she was feeling bored in that school. And、uh, she was the top of the school, and、uh, she got every trophy, every certificate that was available, except the sports because she's not a sports person. But、uh, every other prize she brought it home. In the family's kitchen, grandmother Nisha, also a former teacher, 
says Pfizer needed something different. She needed something more than uh, what she was going through. I'm not uh, against all the her previous school, but uh, like she needed something more challenging, not something more wider scope so that she, it would challenge her ability. So even though Pfizer was doing well, her family was certain she'd be better off at a different school. But international studies show New Zealand has one of the lowest between school variances and student achievement in the developed world. That means Pfizer's performance should not vary much, if at all, because of the school she attends. About 96% of children go to a state school. So are there significant differences between them? One way to find out would be to clone 100 children and send them to 100 different schools but we would have to wait for years to compare their results. Here's Cathy Wiley from the Council for Educational Research again. When people have done large-scale statistical analyses of whether it makes a difference which school you went to, um, they usually show that, that there's maybe a very small percentage of outstanding schools, and it's you know 5-10% of schools that really are out there and very different from the rest once you take into account the ability spread of the kids um, when they enter the school. And there are, you know, maybe the same proportion at the other end who are really like dire schools that you, you, know, you wouldn't want any kid to be in. And that's again once you're taking into account the student intake. So, you know, from that very high sort of vantage point you sort of think, well, there's, there's really not much in this. And principals spoken to for this programme said much the same. I'm the third principal here, so um, there hasn't been many of us. Um, so we're looking, obviously... Alan Vester is the principal of Auckland's Edgewater College. He's showing me around the school, which is affected both positively and negatively by the assumptions parents make about how a particular school might influence their child's achievements. For a part of the community outside of Pakaranga, it's seen as a school of first choice and so parents from some parts of Auckland are actually sending their students some distance from home to come to us. So we pick up a number of students from outside our area who are a real asset to the school. At the same time we lose students out of our, our zone to other high decile schools in our neighbourhood and there tends to be an ethnic factor to that so we would lose some groups in larger numbers than others. European, Asian, Indian, if students are leaving our area it would tend to be those groups and the students that are coming into our area are from Pacifica from other areas mostly to the south of us so we benefit from parents making a choice and we're also affected I suppose negatively by parents making a choice. But he says research and his own experience indicate there's not much difference between most New Zealand schools and that's because of the quality of their teachers. Some of the research which I think is really interesting is that if you're measuring quality and quality of educational instruction in our teachers. The difference between schools on average is much less than the difference within schools. The range of teaching is greater really within schools than it is between average schools. So I guess that's the reason and what you're not finding is in most cases you're not finding teachers in um, schools which perhaps don't have quite such an academic intake all trying to bail. So actually what's happening is of course good teachers are staying in in the schools right through our system and I think that's the, to me I think that's the secret, that the quality of teaching is quite evenly spread across New Zealand schools. As much as we'd like to say, where we, we do say, well, I think we've got fantastic teachers here, I know that in probably every other school in the area they've got great teachers also trying to make sure their kids do well. At the other end of the North Island from Edgewater College is Wellington College. 
It's a single-sex school that benefits from parents assuming it's a better place to send their sons than their local school. About a quarter of its boys come from outside its zone. But even here, the school's headmaster, Roger Moses, cautions against assuming one school is better than another. I think in other countries, the choice of school is a much more important thing. In New Zealand, I think there is still a very good state system. I look in Wellington. I'd be more than happy for my son or my daughter to go to Wellington High School, to Newlands College, to Tawa College. I think at times there can be a great deal of angst about choosing what school your son or daughter should go to. So I preface my comments by saying that, that I think we've got a range of very, very good schools, and I don't think it matters quite as much as some people would have us believe. Roger Moses also downplays the difference between single-sex and co-educational schools, even though research indicates a slight advantage for single-sex schools. Parents don't need to be worried too much about single-sex or co-ed. It is how that school is being run. That is the key to it. You know, I think a lot of it is perception. I think that um, what parents really need to do is to start talking to parents in their local areas and to actually start hearing what they are saying about the local school. I think there are very good single-sex schools and not-so-good single-sex schools. I think there are very good co-ed schools and not-so-good uh, not so co-ed schools. I'm not sure that it is the fact that they are single-sex or co-ed that makes the difference. And discounting another generalisation often made about schools is Jeff Lovegrove, the principal of Lytton Street School in Fielding. He dismisses the notion that schools in poor areas are worse than those in rich areas. I think it's misinformed, but a lot of people believe that a higher decile school will give their children a better advantage. My experience is not that. It depends on the quality of the teachers, and I have taught at all levels of decile. And I've found that schools that have committed teachers who really want to make a difference for children will significantly influence children's outcomes. It seems it's difficult to make any blanket assumptions about schools' impact on their students. Rich, poor, co-educational or single-sex, their teachers could be equally good or equally bad. So how can parents tell them apart? Educational researcher Cathy Wiley says one of the first stops should be Education Review Office reports. About one in six schools every year is told, we want to come back to you in a year's time because we think there are some things you could be doing better. And now most error reviews will have some things that they identify that the school could be doing because they're trying to say everybody should keep improving. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect school. If they say you're you know, being put on supplementary review or we're going to be coming back, then there are issues at that school. And we've got about, you know, 16% around that every year falling into that category. So most of those schools can address those issues within a year. But there are some schools that, you know, keep doing this. So I think that, you know, there'd be some schools where you'd definitely be thinking twice about sending your, your kid to that school. If it was up to me and, and my local school, that's last era review was a supplementary one, I'd be going to that school and having a good look round and and asking the principals some good questions about what they were doing to address those issues. I'd be fine if they were addressing those issues and seemed to me to, to have a handle on it. I wouldn't be fine if they were saying, oh, that's just aero, or it's too hard, or if there were some poor teachers, then I'd, li I'd like to know what they were doing about that. I'd like to know that the school had good systems in place. If the school was in the regular aero cycle, I'd go in and check it out, but I would probably assume that it was, it was probably all right. So that's an indicator of educational quality about the teachers and principals at a school. But what about other factors, like exam results 
and the type of children that go to a school. What do they tell us about how children will fear? Richard Harker is a former Massey University professor. He closely researched the differences between schools with his former colleague Roy Nash. The difference between schools in most of the studies, and including ours, accounts for about 15 to 18 percent of the total variance in student outcomes. And the rest of it is due to ordinary variation that occurs between students, social background, all that sort of thing. And of that school effect, of that, of that 10 or 15 percent, most of it, about two thirds of that school effect, is due to the differences between the student populations that they've got the social differences, the cultural differences, language differences, prior achievement differences, and all this sort of thing. The research adjusted schools' results for the socio-economic background of their students, and that indicated many of the schools in poor areas were doing a lot better than their academic results indicated. We got a sample of 37 secondary schools who all agreed to participate, and we collected data on their third form entry, all of them, 5,300 students it ended up as, and we followed them all the way through from year 9, 10, 11, 12, until they left secondary school. And we were able to keep track of their performance. We knew how well they were doing when they first got into the school. So then you can then look at the end results at the end of year 11 and 12, compare them to the, the kinds of results the same students were getting in year 8 and see whether they'd gone up and down. And we've got some very big surprises because some of the schools that were at the top of the league table, when you take into account the kind of students they had and the prior ability of those students, they dropped down into the middle. And some of the ones at the bottom in some of the poorer areas of New Zealand, uh, when you took their students into account, they rose up the ranks as well. All of which appears to discount raw exam results and school decile, the measure of community wealth, as means of differentiating good schools from bad. But surely student backgrounds have an effect on their schools. Martin Thrupp, a professor of education at the University of Waikato, says they do. Essentially what tends to happen in lower socioeconomic schools, they tend to have a lot of issues clustered alongside the socioeconomic issues. So for example, the resources that families have at home, whether the kids have internet access, for example, the types of special education needs issues, whether English is a second language is a big feature of the school, those kinds of issues, they tend to cluster. So what we find in low socioeconomic schools is that there are a number of other disadvantages that cluster around the socioeconomic issues as well. And conversely, often in high socioeconomic schools, there are a number of other contextual advantages, if you like. Now, the effects that those sort of things have is, first of all, that in low socioeconomic schools, the pastoral curriculum, if you like, often is enormous, the kind of guidance and disciplinary issues that the school is dealing with. And of course, to some extent, that is time out of the sort of formal curriculum, if you like. Also, there's just the day-to-day -day routines and the extent to which they are kind of supported by the student body or, or not. All sorts of things are a lot more difficult in low socioeconomic schools from a management point of view. And time is a big issue. You know, schools are under pressure in terms of planning, in terms of meeting all sorts of requirements and also meeting the, the, the needs of the students, which are often very pressing. And what impact do those factors have on student achievement? Well, I think that that's a very difficult answer to put a, put a number on. I mean, these contextual effects are often thought to only be uh, a few percent. It comes back really to the kind of research that's done on, on them and the methodological issues and the way we think about compositional effects. I think that they could be very important in lots of instances. It could make a difference, for example, in the kind of curriculum that 
students are exposed to, the sort of subject choices they've got available to them, for example. It makes a difference in terms of peer groups and the aspirations and so on that, that they're exposed to through those peer groups and their peers' sense of success and what they intend to do beyond school and aspirations for further study and that sort of thing. And I think in terms of classroom processes, in terms of what goes on in classrooms, teaching and learning, that also varies, I think, by the sort of social composition of schools. And there can be very good teaching and learning going on in all kinds of schools, but sort of different patterns in many ways in, in higher and lower socioeconomic schools too. And that brings us to the questions posed at the start of this programme. What would happen to a high-achieving student in a school of mostly low achievers? Or to a low-achieving student in a school of mostly high achievers? The research that I've seen on that suggests that it sort of has a, a slightly one-way effect, really, because high socioeconomic students tend not to be dragged back so much because they're supported more from their family environment and they often do rather well anyway. Education professor Richard Harker agrees. The students in the high decile schools, most of those kids would pass their exams if you held them six feet underwater. The fact is that kids from a similar social background to these high-flying schools, some kids are actually doing better at some of these middle schools than ones where they've got a whole range of kids. There are lots of good teachers in all of these schools. And in a school where there's not, where there's not many high-flyers, but there might be one or two, then they get more or less individual tuition at a school like that. Whereas in, in a big school where all the kids are high flyers and they're competing with each other, the incentive doesn't seem to be there. I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's incentive or, or what. But similar kids to that are doing better at some other schools. But the headmaster of Wellington College, Roger Moses, says there's a lot of benefit in having a critical mass of high-achieving students. In practical terms, it may well be that where I've got a critical mass of really able students, I can say to them, give scholarship a go. I've done that. I mean, I've said to boys in my school, get with a group of mates, start studying together. If you think there is a whiff of a chance, go for it. Now, I, I suspect in some other schools where there are very small numbers of students who may be eligible for scholarship, there's not quite that critical mass factor there. So I think that is certainly an advantage that perhaps we have. Having said that, it's not just having the students there, you've got to do something with them. And Roger Moses also notes that talented students will succeed almost anywhere. I think back to when I was at Waihi College, and a young lass there called Lara Wilcox. And Lara was a sixth former, she'd been put through to the seventh form. Uh, she was pretty much working on her own, but she was given good teaching by the, the staff at little old Waihi College. And that year she was the top female student in bursary in the country. And so it can be done in these schools. You do not have to be in a so-called prestigious school for your students to do extremely well. And I think uh, if you look last year, there are one or two students who did brilliantly well, well. I think one of the kids who was top in the country in scholarship came from Fairfield College, which is uh, not a high decile school in the Hamilton area. So, you know, I think with the right kind of support, individual kids can do it wherever they are. The principal at Edgewater College, Alan Vester, says the success of high achievers is partly because of their ability and partly because most schools are committed to them. Well, I think all schools have a good top end. There's always a group of students at, the, at every school who's very, very able. And most schools will walk over cut glass to give those kids the very best chances they can. I mean, you, you really do want to encourage those sorts of students. It's the next group down, I suspect, that the cohort effect is greatest. That's the ones that perhaps aren't quite so good. And in an environment where everyone else is trying to get the best results they can, they're pulled along by that that atmosphere 
and if they're in a group of students who don't care, don't take school seriously, then those students are the ones likely to head down the same path. And I suspect that they're the students that parents should worry about most when they're looking at where their kids are placed. And so it's, it's a, absolutely vital that all schools, including us, don't allow that kind of environment to s settle in. The one that we're not doing well becomes the way in which students think. But Alan Vesta says simply changing schools is no guarantee a child will get in with the right crowd. The issue facing most parents and most schools is actually that every school has a group of less motivated kids. All schools across the decile range. And the least motivated kids gravitate towards the other least motivated kids. So we have a parent in today who's wanting to change the child from another school. It's actually a really unusual one because it's from higher decile to lower decile. And I was interviewing the girl and making sure that the parents and her didn't see the problem was the people that she mixed with at a previous school because if she'd said that we would know instantly that within a week of being here she would have found exactly the same group here so the problem would not be solved as it is I think that wasn't the issue but where they come in and say oh she was in a bad company well then look I'm sorry but there's bad company walking past my window every day as well so you won't solve your daughter's problems by changing schools. And these students, in the library at Edgewater College, have no doubt that the choice of school does not make a lot of difference. People think that the school you go to sort of determines your grades, but I think otherwise. I think the student determines your own grades, not the school. The school only helps to assist you. It's not about the school, yeah. it's about the students. Yeah, it's about the mindset of the students and the mindset that those students have. Riverdale School is a high decile primary school in Palmerston North. Its principal, Deborah Peck, agrees that in most cases, choice of school is unlikely to raise or lower children's achievement. If all the rest of the children are achieving way up here just simply by popping that child in there, I don't think it's going to actually accelerate their progress. At the other end, if you put a high achiever into a group of students who are not achieving quite so highly, while they may, at various times in their career, mask their potential and their achievement level, I don't think they actually grow dumber. So at the right time, when it's right, that level of attainment's still there. And what about those 100 clones? In terms of academically, if you were just measuring the reading, writing and maths, I think I would expect that they would be the same, fairly mm. similar. I think the difference would be in the values and the qualities, perhaps, in some of the skills that they had gained. In one school, it might be that you actually gain some real skills and resilience, and in another school, it might be that you have actually gained some contacts with people and families in later life that might be useful. I think there's a whole lot of factors that impact on that outcome. So where does this leave parents who are trying to choose a school for their child? The interviewees for this programme have told us that high-achieving students will do well pretty much anywhere, that middling and low achievers are more at risk and need to be in the right atmosphere, but also that that atmosphere can be found in any school. They've told us that good teaching and effective schools are found right across the spectrum of New Zealand schools. And finally, they've told us that in most cases, the differences between schools are likely to be in social rather than academic outcomes. Their advice for parents has had a common theme. Here's the acting principal of Porirua College, John Topp. 
parents need to start looking at what students do outside of the normal or the supposed academic success and have a look at things like sport, cultural success. What they do outside of the classroom is just as important as what they do inside the classroom and the successes they achieve. So if they're achieving outside the classroom, chances are they'll be achieving inside the classroom as well. Anything else they should be looking at? Uh, Look at error reports is one thing they should look at. Go and visit the school. We don't see enough parents. We don't see enough parents coming in and talking to us about what's going on and how well we do things. And some interviewees, like education professor Richard Harker, also mentioned the importance of a good fit, somewhere a child will feel comfortable and where their needs will be met. Many parents who have a choice of schools, in this, say in the South Auckland area, who bypass a local school, a local SR1 school, and send it to another school, but it's not... Auckland Grammar they send it to, it. they send them to another DSR1 school that has a good reputation for dealing sensitively with Pacifica and Māori and Asian students, which it does. And so many parents choose to go to that school. So it's not a question of, you know, going up the social ladder, whatever, whatever you like. It's just a question of seeing what's right for their kids. Where are they looking after kids like ours? So checking out schools and choosing the best one for your child is worthwhile even if there's not a lot of difference between most schools. But there is one more thing to remember. The biggest influence on a child's future is not their school, it's their family. Have any of you got homework tonight? I have to finish mine. What do you have to do for it? I thought we had finished it. No? Right. Was that last week's? I'll check after dinner. That Radio New Zealand Insight programme was written and presented by John Gerritsen. Technical production was by Mark Chesterman and it was produced by Sue Ingram. More Insight podcasts are available to be downloaded from our webpage at radionz.co.nz.